Well, who needs a sermon after that? You know what I'm saying? You already saw a pretty good sermon. Are you saying don't preach? Is that what you're saying? Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Thanks for your permission, um, Tina. I appreciate that. Uh, man, what an awesome, awesome morning. Um, I'm glad I didn't have to get up right after that uh, whole affair. You know what I'm saying? Um, man, how awesome. What an incredible day. Um, we are here uh, in this year of discipleship, and what an incredible fruit of that. We get to see some of our own uh, being baptized, putting their faith on display. At the center of all of this is the Word of God, and so we have this personal Bible reading plan that we're doing individually, but collectively as a church, it's the F260 Bible reading plan. If you haven't jumped in, we're in week number 20. You can jump in right with us. Um, no need to catch up, but just jump in. We've got Bible reading plans over here at Next Steps. You can also go Go to our website, find the info there. Um, and then as a church, we're working through eight sermon series this year, encompassing the word, the, the story of God. We're in series number four called Kings and Kingdoms. And, uh, you know, last week we learned some wisdom. We got some wisdom from King Solomon. And this week I think is a good follow-up because we're going to learn some wisdom from Proverbs chapter 3 uh, straight from Solomon. And the funny thing is that I actually preached from Proverbs 3 less than a year ago. Uh, it was Father's Day actually last year, I remember, because Father's Day and I think it was my son's last day here before we moved him off to Missouri. And, uh, you know, foolish me and my youth. Uh, I tried to preach through the whole chapter, Proverbs chapter 3, and I had like seven points, and that was a mistake. Uh, and then in the first service, um, I, I whittled it down to four. And then, uh, you know, a few minutes ago, I'm like, the Holy Spirit's calling an audible. Um, so I'm lessening it even more. I'm going to do two points, all right? So God keeps saying, yeah, scale it back a little. You're talking too much. Um, so I'm going to hit the first two points. I'll mention the last two, but really the the first two are where I want to land this morning. And, you know, the working title for the sermon, I was expecting an amen, like shorter sermon, woo but, you know, <laughs> thanks, Tina, for nothing. Um, anyways, <laughs> the working title before I even uh, jumped into studying this week was um, Walking on the Path of Prosperity. And I thought, that's a great title. It sounds like a TED Talk or, you know, a motivational speech, which in and of themselves aren't terrible, unless they're masquerading as a sermon, then, you know, we're not doing that. Um, but this is straight out of Proverbs chapter 3, uh, and we, we did, did we do the scripture memory verse? We forgot that. Jake, 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 Jake. All right, um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Any of y'all familiar with that? Sorry to call you out, Jake. I'm just calling everybody out this morning. I'm telling you, this is why I'm shortening the sermon, so there's... I've, I've got sleepy brain. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, and nobody ever knows what's coming out of Andrew's mouth. Um, so less talking, the better. I think Proverbs talks about that. All right, so moving on. Um, yeah, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. A lot of you know that, that passage. We're going to hit that today. Um, but this comes straight out of Proverbs 3, where Solomon gives us kind of this how-to, how to find success, how to find favor in the sight of God and man. Actually, I want to read just this one small verse before we jump in. Proverbs 3, 4, Solomon here says, So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. And so he gives us some instruction on how we are to find favor and success. So, what I want to do is, before we kind of dig into these first few verses, is I want to start by defining terms. What exactly are we talking about? What is favor? What is success? And so this, let's start with the term favor. It's a, it's a word that we use uh, here and there. We probably use it a lot in the form of a question, like, hey, would you do me a 
solid. I mean, that's the 2022 version, but would you do me a favor, right? Would you do something for me? Um, another way, we use a kind of a form of the word favor. When you favor someone or something, you call it your favorite. Y'all are way more awake than first service. They like looked at me like deer in the headlights. Um, I probably didn't explain it very well, but uh, it's your favorite. When you favor someone or something, here's, here's a dictionary definition. Something done or granted out of goodwill rather than from justice or for remuneration, a kind act, excessive kindness or unfair partiality, preferential treatment. All right, so it's not something that you earn or deserve. It's something that's done out of you know, kindness. It's an act of goodwill. Uh, gotquestions.org, a site I use frequently, um, they, they use this phrase that I thought was really good for favor. And, and the quote is, demonstrated delight. Demonstrated delight. And it goes on to say, the favor of God can be described as the tangible evidence that a person has the approval of the Lord. All right, favor. Uh, it's often translated also as grace. It's undeserved. It's just kindness that is freely given. So that's favor when we talk about finding favor. But then there's this other word. It says find favor and good success. So what is success? And, and what I did, you know, one of the first things I, I tend to do is I go to Google, all right, before I go to the Bible. Not really. I, but I, I'm thinking in my mind, okay, there's a definition for success, and everyone's got a kind of a different definition. So what is what says Google, all right? And I expected to find a lot of really wacky stuff out there, like, you know, the motivational, you know, posters and those kind of things. I was actually surprised. There were some decent quotes about success. Um, but I have a couple that I want to share with you that were a little bit more questionable. Um, the first one comes from a guy named Tony Robbins. You may have heard of him. He's a uh, big motivational speaker, self-help guy. Here was his definition. He says, my definition of success is to live your life in a way that causes you to feel a ton of pleasure and very little pain. And because of your lifestyle, have the people around you feel a lot more pleasure than they do pain. Do y'all think that's a good definition of success? That's weird, right? You're, just, you're more pleasure than pain. Like pain is, and so like in the people around you to have more pleasure than pain. And like my mind, like as weird as it is, I'm like, okay, there's a lot of, of things that would be against the law that would qualify then for success, that I've got more pleasure than pain. Um, here, here's the funny thing is that he actually had a second definition, all right? So this is, you know, a motivational speaker, multiple definitions of success. Here's what I think is maybe a more accurate one in terms of what the world believes is success. Success is doing what you want, when you want, where you want, with whom you want, as, off, as much as you want. Does that sound more like the world's definition? Like when you get to a place of being successful, it's like, hey, I can do whatever I want with whom I want, where I want, as often as I want to. I am my own boss. I am successful. Doesn't that sound more like the world's definition of success? I can do whatever I want. And so let me ask you another question. Or actually, let me, let me read a, a dictionary definition of success. It's the attainment of wealth, position, honors, goals, fame. So often it has to do with performance or achievement. And I want to ask you a question just to think about for a second. Um, and you can, get, you can put that on a blank screen. I don't want to see his face anymore. Thank you. All right. Um, <laughs> weird creeping over my shoulder here. Um, so I want to ask you a question. 
how would you define success? What is success to you? And isn't it true that how you define success, it's probably different based on different people, right? So it, it might be different based on generation. I would say the current generation maybe defines success differently than, you know, the boomers. Um, maybe it has to do with age. Uh, I would say maybe a 70-year-old would define success differently than a 35-year-old, differently than a 10-year-old, right? Um, so maybe it depends on age. Um, maybe it depends on career based on what you do for a living or what you love to do, like what success looks like for you. Maybe, maybe it's different. You would define it differently than someone else. And I, I want to go back to Proverbs 3, 4 for a second that says, uh, uh, you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and men. And so does this describe you or who you want to be, that you would be one who wants to find favor and good success in the sight of God vertically and with man horizontally? And I don't expect an answer because I would assume everybody's answer would be, yes, I want to find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. I mean, I, probably none of you would say, no, I want the opposite of that. What, what would you say is the opposite of favor and success? Failure, right? I don't think anybody's going, nah, I don't want to be successful. I'd rather grow up to be a failure, right? I'd rather grow up and fail at everything I do. But, but here's what I want to do this morning is I want to flip the script uh, because it would be easy to, to go through this passage and say, okay, if you want to find favor, if you want to find success in your life, do this and do this and do, the, do, the, do all these things and you'll find favor and success. So I want to kind of flip the script a little bit and, and, and instead turn it and say, okay, instead of finding favor and success, what if we did these things, the opposite of those things? We wouldn't find favor, but we would find failure, right? And so the title this morning is this, Finding Failure in Life. And that sounds super encouraging, doesn't it? Are you ready for this incredible sermon? Um, and I'm just telling you this, um, that kind of title, it's not going to hit the top of the, you know, the rankings in Google. Like people aren't probably Googling this phrase, how do I, how do I fail in life? Uh, how do I find failure? Uh, but I want to I wanna give you a few ways, and we're going to spend a little bit more time on the first two, and then I'll just mention the second, uh, the, the last two, and we'll be done. Uh, so four ways to fail in life. Here's the first one. Be flippant with God's word. Be flippant with God's word. So I want you to go to Proverbs 3. We're going to look at these first four verses, all right? Here again is Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. He's given some instruction to his, his son, and he says this. Verse 1, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. And so Solomon, from the start, he puts this focus on, you know, son, don't forget my, my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. So it all goes to the word of God, the teaching of God. He says, don't forget it. Don't forget it. Put it in your heart. Put it on your heart. And so if we're going to do the opposite of finding success, if we're going to fail, it's because we're not doing what Solomon says. It's because we are flippant 
with the word of God. Does anybody in here use, use the word flippant ever? Have you ever used that word? Some of you are like, eh, once in a while. I use that word. I feel like I, it's a regular in my vocabulary. Um, so let me define it in case you don't know what flippant means. Okay, here's the dictionary definition. Flippant means shallow, lacking in seriousness, characterized by levity, which means we take it lightly. Like this isn't very serious. This is not a big deal. Okay, so let me give you an example so you can understand the word flippant. There's a lot of, I don't know, flippancy is the word. Um, this flippant attitude is, is most present, I would say, in our nation, in the homes where, where teenagers reside. All right? Teenagers, God love them, can tend to be flippant about things. Like, it's not that big a deal. Mom, why are you flipping out on me? Well, son, Trying to murder your brother is serious, all right? This is not a flippant thing. Okay, so teenagers tend to be like, what's the big deal, right? It's, it's careless, casual. It's shallow, lacking in seriousness, characterized by levity. We take it lightly. So here's the idea. To fail in life, we will fail if we are flippant with God's word, if we don't take it seriously, if we take it lightly. And that's what this whole year is, has been all about, is focusing on the word of God. So let me, let me give you some examples. How can we be flippant with the word of God? And the reason, again, why I phrased it this way, this is why I flipped the script, because it's easy for you to hear me say, you ought to read your Bible, right? You ought to spend time with God. And we're like, yada, yada, okay, I hear this all the time. I've heard this all year long. But to hear the phrase, like, be flippant with the word. How can we be flippant with the word of God? Okay, a couple ways that I just want to mention. One is this, is that we don't read or study it for ourselves, but we only listen to it from others. Okay, we don't read it or study it for ourselves. We just listen to it or receive it from others. And that means from preachers, um, that means from the radio, from podcasts, from being online. I'll even throw in uh, what I would call prepackaged devotionals, which there's nothing wrong with them. I've got one that I love. It's called New Morning Mercies by Paul Tripp. I think it's phenomenal. Um, but if that's all I do, if I get all of my relationship with God through what others say to me, rather than engaging with him and engaging with his, his word myself, I'm, taking, I'm, I'm being flippant. With the word of God, I'm taking it lightly. Y'all realize that reading the Bible is a relational activity? We don't often think of the act of reading as relational. We just think, okay, I'm burying my face in a book. But reading the Bible is differently. Reading the Bible is a relational activity. That's why we call, we call our, uh, our hear journal, it's all about hearing from God because we want to hear the voice of God when we open it. His book, we expect to hear from him. We engage with him. It's a, re it's a relational activity to get into his word. It's like a husband who only wants to hear about his wife rather than ever talking to her. Men try that sometime, all right, for a week. Say, I, I just, I just want to hear somebody tell me how you feel and what you're thinking. I don't want to actually talk to you. All right, try that out. <laughs> Reading the Bible is a relational activity, and we're not to be flippant about it. And so 
if you don't read it or study it for yourself, you're being flippant. Here's another way that we're flippant with the word is, is, is we hear about and, and we maybe even know how important the word of God is. And yet we do nothing with it. We do absolutely nothing with it. We leave it on the shelf. We don't engage with it. We know its importance, but we do nothing with it. And now listen, I don't have any, I don't even know how many people in our church are engaged in our F260 Bible reading plan. But I could, I could hedge a bet that there's a number of people in our church that for 19, 20 weeks now have heard me every single week invite you into this Bible reading plan with us. And some of you are like, yeah, I ought to. I should do that. The Bible is important. Reading the Bible is important. But you know what? I'm so busy. I've got so, much, I've got so many things going on. I just don't have time for that. What? You don't have time for the most important thing in your life? Your relationship with God? You have better things to do. That is being flippant with the word of God. You would, you would say, I'm a Christian. I know that the Bible is important. I know that these are words of life. And yet you step back from Monday through Saturday and never touch that thing. Listen, y'all. That's being flippant with this word. Listen, we talk about Jesus dying for us all the time, but we don't often talk about the hundreds and thousands of martyrs throughout the ages who have died so that we could have his word in our language, in our hands, so that we could hear from God in our language. And we go, it's not that big a deal. I can come to church and hear it and I'm good. Listen, y'all, you will never find favor and good success in your life if you're flippant with that book. You and I will fail if we're flippant with this thing. Amen? And sometimes we are, man, we need to repent of that and we need to come back to this book. Four ways we fail in life. The first one is we're flippant with God's word. And, and, and I just want to, again, go back to Proverbs 3, 1 and 2. Solomon said, my son, don't forget my teaching. So engage, it's to engage our mind. Don't forget, remember, but let your heart keep my commandments. So it not only engages our, our mind, but our hearts. With our hearts, we obey. Verse number three, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So in other words, this thing is to be on the outside of us and on the inside. It's to permeate our lives from the outside in and the inside out. We're to treasure God's word first. And everything else that you see in, in, in Proverbs chapter three, that's why I'm spending more time on this one than anything else and why literally we could just camp on this one this morning is because everything flows out of this one and how we treasure God's word and that relationship that we have with him through his word. So let me go back to that whole idea that we had of defining success, all right? So I'm a child of the 80s. Uh, I remember growing up in the 80s. I was a teenager in the 90s. I was in high school and then in college in the 90s. And I remember growing up um, in Ohio, and I think it's probably 
everywhere, but like I remember hearing a lot about the American dream. Like the ideal of success was the American dream. Y'all, any of you remember hearing about that? Um, and that for me, you know, as a kid growing up, that was, okay, someday I want to get married. I want to have the picture perfect spouse. And I want to have a two-story home in the suburbs, you know, with the white picket fence and the nice front yard and, uh, you know, a couple dogs and two and a half kids, right? That's the American dream. And that was the epitome of success and and then, you know, somewhere like coming into the 2000s, I think there was this switch. And this is my own opinion here, okay? Um, I think there was like this transition when the internet became, started becoming a thing. And, um, you know, and then there was the rise of, uh, you know, smartphones and then social media and all this stuff. And in my mind, there was a switch from, you know, the ideal, the pinnacle of success is to have the American dream to somewhere along the way through these years and even into, you know, the 2020s, the ideal success, success for an American is to be what we would call an influencer. You know what I'm talking about? An influencer. So in the early days of the internet, it was like, hey, you're a blogger and you've got, you know, tons of people that are reading your stuff and hearing your opinions. And then it moved into social media and, you know, YouTube and TikTok and all these things. Maybe it's in your career, your area of expertise in the world where it's like the pinnacle of success is, man, I'm an influencer. I have hundreds of thousands or even millions of people who follow me and I can influence all these people. And, you know, in my mind, there was like this transition there where that's like, that's what everybody's shooting for. Kids growing up today are like, what do you want to grow up to be? It used to be like a fireman, a policeman, you know. Um, now it's like, I want to be a YouTuber, right? I want to gain influence. I want to play video games and get paid for it and influence everyone. Weird. Um, but success, the definition of success. And, you know, influence is fine. In fact, it's a good thing. A Christ follower, we're called to influence the world. We're called to be salt and light where God has put us. But when it comes to success, I want to say it this way. Success doesn't start with influencing the world, but by being influenced by the word. Success doesn't start with influencing the world and millions of people. It starts by being influenced by the word, by one. Any influence you have comes from, any real true lasting influence comes from him. And, and I want to show you just a couple passages, ones that we've kind of seen or glanced over at least in our journey through the Old Testament. Joshua 1 verses 7 through 9, as, as Moses was, was uh, God was handing the, the, the leadership baton from Moses to Joshua. And God speaks to Joshua about what success looks like. He has this tremendous example to follow in, in, in Moses and God wants to make sure he understands what real success is. It's not being just like Moses, but here's what it is. Verse number seven, he says, Joshua, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have what? Good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good, say it with me, success. 
Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So for Joshua, it was all about this book of the law. Don't depart from this. Meditate on it. And then you're going to find success. First Kings chapter 2. Verses one through three, David, we talked about this last week. King David is passing on his leadership baton to his son Solomon, and he gives him instruction on how to be a success in this role. And it says in verse number one, 1 Kings 2, when David's time to draw uh, to die drew near, he commanded Solomon, his son, saying, son, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. And I love that phrase, like, when I'm on my deathbed, I'm going to use that, all right? I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Okay, very dramatic. And here's David. He says, be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord, your, the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper, that you may have success in all that you do and wherever you turn. He gives all these, he basically, all these titles for the word of God. He says, it all centers around you keeping his word, follow his word, and then you will prosper. Then you will succeed. And so y'all, I don't, I don't even think, you know, as I'm looking through the scriptures at how God defines success in the Bible, I don't see this like crystal clear definition that says here, here is what success is. But what I find every single time is it's always connected to the word of God and what we do with his word. That if we will follow, if we will obey, if we will meditate on it, if we will not turn to the right or to the left from it, it will lead us. He will lead us into success and favor. And I want to read this quote from Howard Hendricks. He was a great old theology professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. He said this, My great concern for you in life is not that you will fail, but that you will succeed in doing the wrong things. My great concern for you in life, not that you'll fail, because, listen, you're going to fail a lot. My greatest concern is that you're going to succeed. You're going to do really well, but it's going to be in things that don't matter. You're going to succeed in the wrong things. And here is the reality today for maybe some of you. You are experiencing success in some area of your life. And that's great and all. But on the other hand, you're failing at the most important things. The things that will last forever. 1 Corinthians 3, I want us to see this. And, and this is, man, y'all, I don't want to beat us up, but sometimes we need to face a dose of reality. And we all need to hear this. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says this, verses 11 through 15. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Jesus is the foundation. 
Verse 12, now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work, the things we do with our life, how we build on the foundation of Christ, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. The day of the Lord, when he returns, when we stand before the Lord, it will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Here's what Paul is saying here. And y'all, in the scope of your life, this is so important. He says, there's no other foundation. If you're a follower of Jesus, the foundation is Christ. But how you build on that foundation how you live your life, the works that you do, how you spend your energy and all that you do. Is it made of gold, silver, and precious stones, which are materials that that don't just fade, right? They don't deteriorate. They last. Or are you building with wood, hay, and straw? And you know what those things do? If you put the fire to those things, what happens? right? Up in a cloud of smoke, gone in an instant, right? And he says, at that day, when you stand before the Lord, we're going to see how much of your life was built of gold, silver, and precious stones, like how much of your energy was expended on things that will last forever, and how much of your life was spent building Wood, hay, and stubble. Wood, hay, and straw. Stuff that's just going to burn up. Y'all, success. If we want to experience success, we can't be flippant with his word. We will fail every single time. So, if you want to fail, number one, be flippant with his word. Aren't you all glad that we're only doing two this morning? All right. So number two, and we'll move through this actually pretty quickly. If you want to fail, do this. Only do what you think is best or right. Only do what you think is best or right. And let me read these verses that Jake missed earlier. I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> Five, six, seven, eight. Y'all, you think I'm really mean, don't you? Nobody laughed at that. Um, So verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, here's what it says. Solomon says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all of your ways. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Those are the things that Solomon says. If you want to find success, if you want to find favor, man, this is how you are to do it. So if we want to fail, only do what you think is best, what you think is right. So what does this look like in your life? This means that the pattern of your life is consistently that you trust yourself, And that you lean on your judgment. You lean on your own wisdom. That you're true to your own heart, but you're not necessarily true to his word and to the Lord. 
in all of your ways, you acknowledge how you feel, what you want, what you deserve. But rarely in your life do you acknowledge what he wants, what he feels, what he deserves. Put simply, your MO is to do your own thing. Your, your path is, is it's not straight, but it's crooked. Why? Because you're not taking the time to allow him to direct your paths. You're just doing what you think is right and best. You're not trusting the Lord. You're not acknowledging him in all of your ways. You're, you're not leaning on him. You're leaning on your own smarts and your own intellect and your own experience. And listen, y'all, the longer you do that, the more failure you will experience. You may experience moments where you're like, oh, I'm on the right track. And then pff, that path is going to be all over the place. Your path won't be made straight because he is not directing your path. You are. And if you want to find success, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. You know what? You may have professed him as Lord at one point in your life. And if so, praise God. But if you were to look at your life right now, the one who wears the crown, the one who sits on the throne of your life is you. That the true Lord of your life is yourself. That's what it means to only do what you think is best, what you think is right, that you have no need for him. You don't have to lean on him because you've got it all figured out. You've got it all together. And Solomon says, and I just want to read it one more time, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. And we could spend all day talking about this in the, the physical evidence and reality. Like we're all going to go through physical things, but there is something to, to this idea of stress and physical, um, physical effect of, man, trust in the Lord. And I'm, we're not going to go into all that. But man, letting him be Lord of your life. And so let me move on. I'm just going to mention these last two and then we'll be done. And you should be happy we're not going to these next one because there's more meddling going on here. The third thing is this. Spend your money however you want to. Spend your money however you want to. Let me just read the verses for you. And uh, I trust the Holy Spirit will deal with you on this. All right. Verses uh, 9 and 10. It says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with, with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Here's what he says. Honor the Lord with, with all of your income. And when he talks about the first fruits, he's talking about the first and the best of all that you have. And back in the Old Testament, it was, it was their livestock. It was, their, um, it was uh, their produce. But it has to do with our stuff, that God owns everything. And Solomon says, hey, you want to you wanna find favor and success in life? Honor God with all your possessions with all your money, with all your stuff. But if you want to find failure, just keep spending your money. 
however you want to, on yourself. Spend it on yourself. And some of you are like, hey, I'm not a spender. I'm a saver. You save it for yourself. Maybe sometimes you give, but you give to make yourself feel better. If you want to find failure, spend your money however you want to. All right, we'll move on from that. Number four, final thing is this. Refuse to be wrong. Refuse to be corrected. Refuse to be teachable. And let me read verses 11 and 12. It says this. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. And so the, the word from Solomon to his son is, hey, son, I want you to be teachable. I want you to be able to be correctable. You're not always going to be right. You need help. And the reality is that we're all sinners. We, are, we all mess up. We all need help. And if you are not teachable, here's the reality, is that you're never going to grow. If you can't be taught, if you're never wrong, if you can't be corrected, you will never, ever grow. You will stay exactly where you are, and you will continue to fail and to fail and to fail. All right, so let me just wrap this up here this morning. If you want to find failure in life, all right, if you want to fail, do these four things. Be flippant with God's word. Only do what you think is best or right. Number three, spend your money however you want to. Number four, refuse to be wrong, to be corrected, to be teachable. And y'all, these things, um, these are all things that we're talking about. And, we're, and you're like, why would you talk about failing? Why would you talk about these things? Y'all, because these things... If you live in the world long enough, if you listen to the world long enough, if you're influenced by the world enough, you will look at these things and go, hmm, this is what the world would say is success, right? Why spend your time reading an ancient book that has no relevance today? It was written hundreds of years ago. Why would you do that? Do what your heart says. Do what's in your heart. Do what you think is right. Do what's best. That would be the world saying, you do you right? Spend your money however you, why would you give your money to somebody else? Why would you give 10% of your income to a church, a man-made institution, right? That would be the argument. Man, use your money. Spend your money on, your, on yourself. Live it up. Save for your, do all the, like, your money is your money, right? Success is defined that way. Refuse to be wrong, to be corrected, to be teachable. Because nobody's wrong in 2022, right? Everyone has their opinion, but everybody's opinion might as well be fact, right? These are, all, these are the ways that the world says, this is how you can be successful. But you know what God says? If you want to fail, do all these things. Do all of these things. If you want to find success in the eyes of the world, do these things. But if you want to find favor, if you want to find good success in the sight of God and of man, do these things. Amen? So don't listen to the world's definition. Listen to the creator who created you, who, who has created and determined what success is and empowers you to be successful. And so, God, thank you this morning for who you are, for all that you have done, that you have revealed yourself to us, 
God, what an incredible, incredible God you are. We love you. Thank you for your instruction. God, thank you for this time together today and what we've been able to witness, that we've seen these lives that have been um, put on display, that they belong to you, that they have declared you as Lord of their life. God, I pray that you would, you would bring conviction and challenge and encouragement to us in every area that we need it in our life. God, we all fall short. We all sin. We all mess up. We all blow it. And yet that is, that is what grace is all about. That you are a God who forgives. You are a God who gives us second chances. You are a God who allows us to repent and seek forgiveness. God, some of us, our definition of success has been a mess. And this morning, God, we need you to show us how you see success in our life. God, some of the things that we've been chasing after, God, we're succeeding at all the wrong things. God, we need you to turn our eyes to you so that we can succeed in your sight. So God, I pray that you would move in our hearts, that you would convict us where we need to be convicted. God, that repentance would take place where repentance needs to happen. But God, this morning we rejoice that you are the one who determines success. And so God, we want to please you today. So we give all of ourselves, all of our hearts to you. We trust you. We lean upon you. We acknowledge you in all 